Battery bill. Battery bill. For cameras, computers, cars, or scooters. For trucks, boats, jet skis, remotes. Battery bill. Battery bill. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 60. That's right, we've hit the 6-0. We are going wow. forward, man. We are powering through. Jordan Helley, Hunter Hughes, back with you on Hawaii Football. Now, it's uh, Tuesday, October 18th, when we record this, 7.45 a.m. Hawaii time sets release this, as usual, Thursday, midday. Uh, that'll be on October 20th. Uh, big mahalo to Spectrum Mobile, Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, and Battery Bill as well. Uh, got a fun episode for you lined up. No guests this week. Uh, we figured, hey, anytime Hawaii wins, we're going to spend a little time talking about that, and we will get to it here as the Bulls are fresh off their 15-point victory against Nevada. Quick little opening drive. Uh, you got Hunter and I. Hunter, uh, our guy Kanoa Leahy, who's also part of like the ESPN Honolulu family, he's got his midday show, Let's Talk Sports, 12 o'clock noon on, uh, on the radio airwaves, uh, also in podcast form, I believe. Uh, made like a guest appearance on NCIS Hawaii last night as an unnamed announcer. Uh, and I, I just hope that there will be some like memes out there. Um, as uh, Titus Iowane was like this fictional high school quarterback. I did not watch any more of the episode because this was the opening scene. So I'm not giving away any spoilers. Uh, but if you see Kanoa out there, just, you know, maybe give him a hard time. That's, uh, that's all I bring up there. Uh, and uh, Hunter and I are waiting for our call up to these, uh, you know, nationally syndicated shows. Yeah, totally. Did they talk about how he uh, used to be a stud ball player at Baldwin with this huge arm? Because uh, uh, that's what I saw from you last week. I was hoping to see more of it. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. That okay. was uh, that made the cutting room floor, I think. <laughs> so that didn't that didn't quite make the episode. All right. That was a good time to remind you that this episode of Hawaii Football Now is brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Originally opened in 1936 as a credit union for educators, Hawaii USA has inspired a culture of giving that is rooted in education and has since become Hawaii's largest credit union and expanded to other areas of community need that impact financial health, including healthcare, housing, and hunger. To learn more, please visit HawaiiUSAFCU.com. All right, game time here on episode 60 of HFN, Hawaii 31. Nevada 16. That's right. A big win for the Bows was a whiteout at TC Chink. Good crowd once again, uh, encouraging uh, that the folks still coming out, even though the season hasn't necessarily played out to a ton of victories. Uh, but the Rainbow Warriors with their best, I would say, start to finish performance of the year to move to one and one in Mountain West play. They are two and five now overall. Uh, led it seven to nothing, right? Took the opening drive down again. Uh, that's something they've been decently doing uh throughout the season the Vanderbilt game the New Mexico State game uh now the Nevada game where they go down they score on the opening possession uh but thankfully this time that wasn't the end of things uh led it 7-0 14-7 never trailed it after leading from 14-7 on uh led it by seven after the first quarter led it by eight at halftime uh had their lead trimmed a little bit at the end of the third but if you remember that long drive that spanned the end of the third into the fourth quarter it was like a 16 play drive that ended with a touchdown they kind of put the nail in the coffin outscored nevada 10 to nothing in the fourth quarter um hunter just some general thoughts before we dive into some of the numbers here uh i know you were there um this is an offense that has been much of the conversation the defense once again played really well um you know albeit look nevada's going through their struggles as well it's kind of like looking in the mirror with the amount of turnover that they have had because of a coaching change like Hawaii. Um, but to get this win and to play well for a second week in a row uh, has got to be encouraging. Oh, dude, it was fantastic this uh, past weekend. First time that we have averaged technically north of one score a quarter, Jordan. We've been talking about that for mm -hmm. a long time. Just give us one score a quarter. That'll get us to 28. Um, because our defense has been fantastic throughout the whole year. Uh, people want to harp on them for giving up a, you know, a, a huge week against uh, New Mexico a few weeks back, but uh, they are doing what they're supposed to do. The offense needs to do what they're supposed to do, and that's score points. Um, very encouraged to see uh, the faithful down at uh, Ching Complex with, it seemed like 80% capacity, Jordan, at least, maybe even more. Um, 
great game day environment as always down there on the Ching. It was really fun. And uh, yeah, say what you will about this coaching staff. They can uh, game plan for that first uh, possession. I just want to see more of that ingenuity, creativity, because it seems like after that first possession, we kind of gear down into whatever this RPO half run and shoot scheme offense with a, hey, unapologetically without a label. They've said that for a long time now, whatever this offense is. That's kind of the tail of the tape. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that uh, we can dive into here in terms of, <coughs> excuse me, the the nuts and bolts of this offense, right? Because we saw them score on three of their first four possessions, uh, touchdowns, that is. Uh, we saw the passing game, I think, look pretty good uh, in the first quarter, and then it kind of tailed off. Uh, the second half, I think it, we saw them go much more, uh, revert much more back to um, kind of the offense we saw at the beginning of the season, which is, you know, tight end within the box pound at the running game and look it worked right uh you can't really complain uh so what the, there was a little mix and match right it, it hasn't been full run and shoot as excited as people were for that um and i'm not saying it has to be but we can kind of get into the nuts and bolts there's some of the numbers uh total offense way near 400 396 in terms of total yardage production uh held nevada to 277 uh 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 total um which is really impressive 4.8 yards per carry on 48 rushing attempts Dedrick Parson had a, a terrific terrific game once again they held Nevada to 89 that's the second week in a row now that they have held an opponent under 100 yards rushing that had come in averaging in triple digits right San Diego State kind of hung their hat on the run Nevada same thing and Hawaii has once again bobbled up a decently productive running game for two weeks in a row uh UH threw for 173 nothing that's going to jump off the page at you um and encouragingly this week after giving up like 300 yards passing to uh the fourth string or whatever you want to call the guy from san diego state uh held nevada to 188 right they they, they kept this offense in check uh, turnovers were one apiece hawaii has done a decent job holding on to the football that's been another nice positive development kind of really throughout the season they haven't turned it over a bunch outside of the vanderbilt game uh, one thing of note, uh, I'm sure that Coach Chang will uh, be talking to his guys, eight penalties for 70 yards. You had that one sequence where they had like three consecutive offensive penalties. It was like holding, false start, holding or whatever, illegal man downfield that kind of yeah. derailed a drive there. But um, you look at some of the balance, Hunter, from this offense. You look at the balance by the defense as well. Um, and for the second week in a row now, you know, really – kind of putting down the clamps uh, and holding a team to 16 points and holding a team to a single touchdown. And it was barely a touchdown at that on fourth and goal that, uh, you know, we didn't have the benefit of like close-up replays kind of being down on the field. But I was like, man, they're not going to review this because I we were kind of on that goal line. I didn't think right the guy there. necessarily maybe was was for sure in. But anyway, so the, there is a, a, a there was a very balanced sort of performance on both sides of the football by the University of Hawaii, running it at will in the second half. Some explosive plays in the passing game, including that touchdown to Zion Bowens from, from Braden Chick. And then defensively, right, they, they they were good against the run, but also didn't quite give up as much on the back end as we saw against San Diego State. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm trying to think if one thing stood out, and it, you know, it continues to be our run game. I uh, didn't go into the season thinking we were going to be a run-heavy team, but we are – kind of hitching our horse to this offensive line wagon because they are the dominant um, uh, player group on our team, a position group, I should say. And uh, they're doing a great job up front. Uh, Shager felt like he had plenty of time. Uh, there were maybe a couple sacks, uh, maybe a couple hurries, but he seems to throw his best whenever he's out of the pocket and trying to make a play. Uh, I have noticed it's more whenever he's in there trying to go front side to backside and stay in the pocket that uh, he struggles in the past. Uh, his best throw I thought was in the first, uh, I think it was the first possession whenever he kind of rolled out to his right and hit Bowen, uh, Bowens on that over route on the sideline. Um, really good ball right there. And um, yes, yeah, you know, say what you will about Shager. He, doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. So in some ways he is doing his job that way and just giving us chances and putting, um, keeping this offense on the field. So 
Um, special teams look great too. Um, yeah, trick play with uh, um, with Shipley running up the middle on that punt uh, about gave me a heart attack. But that was that was awesome. It, it was, it was, and, and showed I, I think a little bit of a little bit of chutzpah, right? It was uh, a kind of a signal like, hey, they got the look that they had obviously been preparing for, and they're like. Who cares if we're back within our own 30-yard line and on fourth and 15 uh, in a one-possession game late in the half? Uh, I was like, they, they went for it and, and maybe, you know, kind of signaled to the team that, hey, look, we're, we're, not, we're not backing down, right? We're going to be the aggressor. We're going to be the team that kind of puts their foot on the gas pedal. Um, yeah, you talk about Shager, right? And, and this team in, in total, it was fumbles against Vanderbilt. It was interceptions against Western Kentucky. And since then, even the Michigan game, They've done a much better job of holding on to the football. As you pointed out, they've relied on this offensive line in the running game. Shager was sacked one time, as you pointed out. He was flushed out a couple of different times, but I thought it was it was very much within the flow, right? He gave it an opportunity, needed to buy a little extra time to get his guys open downfield, and then delivered some, some really good balls. And again, his completions largely came in the first quarter. Uh, and 13 for 25, right? It's not, it ain't throwing it a ton. Um, by, by modern standards, 173 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Zion Bowens, once again, was the leading receiver. He had four grabs for 79 yards. Of course, 48 of those coming on the touchdown over the top. That deep post, boy, that was that pretty. Um, and then you had Kuali Nishigaya catch for six yards. Dior Scott kind of got involved once again after being a little quiet uh, last week, four, four catches for 14 yards. And then, and then you had the two other guys, and they were kind of the, the, the storyline to me in a lot of ways. Jalen Walthall, he just had the one catch for 28 yards, but he brought a bit of physicality to that outside receiver position um, in the blocking, uh, as well as kind of that, that ball he caught was over the middle, right, uh, and then exploded for 28 yards. And then Nick Senecal, two catches for 42 yards, the freshman out of Montreal, Canada. Uh, and you kind of heard the buzz a little bit, like, hey, this, they've got this guy from Canada, right? They've got He's big body, can go get it. He's got some speed. Uh, and, of course, people are like, oh, you know, Nick Marner, big body, got some speed, can kind of go get it, right? Uh, former, uh, I was going to say former Canadian. I'm pretty sure he's still Canadian. Um, former uh, University of Hawaii receiver from Canada, who's now over at Cincinnati. But uh, you can see why they were excited. And he's a guy who got here really late, right? He, he got here basically during fall camp, I believe, uh, Nick Senecal. And so you're starting to see some of the, the receivers that are emerging, right? And for Braden Shager, and no knock on the guys who played the bulk of the snaps earlier in the season, but Shager didn't have Bowens for a bunch of the a bunch of the few games, right? Uh, he didn't have Kuali Nishi guy. He didn't have Nick Senecal. He okay. had a little bit of Jalen Walthall, right? And it's like, man, you you insert these guys in there, it's a different looking receiving core. It's a different looking passing game, where now you see that hey, they got some guys who can separate. They've got some guys who can understand how to get open. They got some guys, and again, no knock on on some of the others that have played James Phillips and others, right. They've, they've been productive and whatnot, but there's just a, what the, with what they've got now, there's an added element. Like it, it looks different, right. It, there, there's a little more explosive. There's a little more size, particularly on the outside. There, there's some, it looks like pieces that kind of fit uh, for lack of a better way to describe it. Yeah. And it's, it's just good timing. Not, not only with this personnel group, but the play calling has significantly changed as well. Uh, we are watching actual run and shoot concepts being implemented on the field now um, when we had next to no passing attack in those first few games. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, definitely hurts not having Pinoke out there too. Uh, he was our, where Bowens wasn't there. He was our other, you know, stud big outside receiver. So definitely hurts not having him there, but these guys have stepped up uh, when we needed them. Uh, additionally, kind of on the same topic of injuries, uh, I thought they did well this last week responding with a couple of, you know, key guys going down, mainly uh, Stefan Bernal went on the O-line, um, and then over on the defense, um, Isaiah Tufaga, uh, one of our linebackers, went down with a knee injury right in front of us, Jordan, uh, kind of got blocked by a, a tight end and twisted his knee up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see who kind of steps up and uh, um, I think Logan Taylor might be one of those guys on defense. Yeah, for sure. And it was Eliki Tanuvasa, right, who, who didn't get the start. Sojir Muasal got the start at center. Yeah. Uh, and Tanuvasa comes in after Bernal went went down, what was it, the first drive, I think, uh, 
that guard Tanuvasa comes in and, and quite honestly, they didn't miss a beat. And so the depth on that offensive line paying some dividends uh, and, and to the tune of 200 plus yards on the ground. Right. And, and we talked about in the, in the first half, you saw some of the new pass concepts you saw, right. Some, some speed outs to Zion Bowens on the outside, some, some quick hitters um, on, on some concepts, whether it was Walt Hall, Kuali Nishigai, his one grab, uh, and then the ability to to read over the top, right, in, in that touchdown. And then in the second half, <clears throat> it was it was run, 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 and you could understand why. I mean, they were they were getting four or five yards a crack, and I love kind of what they've developed now in in Diedrich Parson, who just continues to impress. Uh, this guy, even last season, right when he was technically sort of the the two back um, behind Dede Hunter, um, but was just a red zone machine. He was a goal line machine, and this guy. I think he's got surprising speed to a lot of people. His vision and patience is just so fun to watch, especially when you're kind of down on the field. 24 carries, 136 yards, 5.7 yards per carry for yeah. Parson. And, uh, and three touchdowns. The dude's now got 10 rushing touchdowns on the season. Um, he's second in the conference. He's tied fifth nationally in terms of touchdowns. Uh, he's eight away from the single-season record co-held by Jamal Farmer and Alex Green, two of the greats, of course, Farmer in 89 and, and Alex Green, that magical WAC co-championship 2010 season. Um, so, I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? They, they've got six games left. He would have to average over a touchdown a game, um, but he's already doing that <laughs> with 10 through seven. So, hey, he, he might be there. And, and he's just, I, I, I love his patience. I love his grit. His vision is is terrific. And and how he finds holes and how he sets up blocks. And then he's got the power to break through tackles. He's got the speed to kind of get the edge on you, which I think still surprises teams. You kind of see it, especially down the goal line, that one touchdown he had going um, toward the, the Murakami Stadium side where, where he outran guys, just a little jump cut outside. And the next thing you know, he was out running defensive backs. It's like, wow, this guy's something. And then I love how it's him and Hines now. And I'm a big Najee bryant Lele fan. Uh, and I thought he was, you know, he did a really admirable job early in the season. But I think Parson and Hines just complement each other, right? Hines is a little more, uh, he's a little more, he's got a little more quickness. He's a little smaller, right? He kind of hides behind. And I just think that that one-two combo, it, it, it makes sense, whereas bryant Lele is, is much more in the mold of Parson. Uh, and so instead of duplicating that, when you rotate the two backs, because Hines had 12 carries for 70 yards. 5.8 yards per carry also caught a pass for four yards but um it's pretty good when you got your two running backs combining for over 200 and both of them averaging over 5.7 yards per carry um they found a little something i think heinz heinz is a dude uh parson is definitely that guy um and in the second half when you know things needed to slow down a little bit maybe give the defense a little breather the passing game wasn't quite as clicking as it was, they just leaned on those dudes in the offensive line um, and went and just kind of took the will from Nevada to close out this game. It was, it was impressive to see them close this out and win it. It was a very, uh, I, I would say professional type of second half where they saw this victory out. Yeah, no. And I think there's a lot of room still to improve. I think Timmy would share that sentiment with me where a solid running attack will open up a good passing attack. It just always does. So I'm very, um, curious, optimistic that we can build on this momentum to continue to add to our passing attack with this uh, core of wide receivers in here because of how solid our O-line and our running game has been. So that's just how the offensive side of the football works is running game will always open up the pass. So um, I'm wanting to see more of that for us. Yeah, and as we mentioned, you know, the, the, this offense continues to improve. Um passing game more so in the first quarter um and again just just sort of the production right because we had talked about with the previous iteration of this offense if you will right before they kind of started to work some things in against new mexico state they moved the ball at times they were able to get some yardage but just it, points points were hard to come by they went three and out far too often you know this was an offense that 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 just just couldn't quite find a rhythm wasn't wasn't consistent enough in terms of you know moving the ball downfield and resulting in points and and moving the ball downfield with some some frequency right and and not going three and out basically at any point for for this group and and kind of just looking at some of the the results right this game um score touchdowns on three of their first four drives pretty good 
Um, they basically had four second half possessions, uh, two of them resulting in scores, a, a touchdown and then a field goal. Uh, and, and the reason they only had four, four second half possessions, <laughs> the fifth one was a kneel down. Um, a 16 play 65 yard drive that spanned the end of the third quarter to the beginning of the fourth quarter that took over half a quarter off the clock. It took eight Oh five off of the clock. And, and those are the kind of drives. It's like, okay, you know, that's what this offense is capable of as well. They can hit you over the top for a 48 yard touchdown bomb. Uh, but then they can also go on some of these drives. And I'm not saying this is going to be a weekly occurrence. Look, you, you, you factor in the caliber of the opponent. Nevada is another team that's very much, still in transition, but, but you look at some of those numbers and it's like, okay, they're, they're starting to find the end zone a little bit more. They're starting to put together drives that are able to sustain some time off the clock, right? They, they're able to, to not go three and out basically. Um, and didn't go three and out the entire game. Uh, the only possession that lasted fewer than three plays, uh, was the interception, the Braden Shager interception. Right. Um, and so, when you look at that, that is a stark contrast to some of the games early in the season, even the Duquesne win, um, even some of the other games where they were in it in the first half. You saw a lot of those three and outs, a lot of those abbreviated possessions, possessions that look promising then stall out, right? Um, they only punted three times in this ballgame. And again, well, the only possession that technically went three and done was a pick. And it wasn't, you know, it was one that uh, Shager, I think, uh, will want back definitely. So you're starting to see some of that offensive improvement, but also resulting in what matters the most. And that's, that's points Hunter. Yeah. And we didn't necessarily put ourselves in the best positions throughout this whole game. Uh, I think namely of uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that kickoff where we caught the ball in the two and then ran out of bounds. Um, that doesn't set your offense up for the most success. And I think on that drive, you know, just hanging on to the football and not taking a safety in that situation and, you know, punting it away that I think that's a win uh, for something that could have been disastrous. And I think at that point in the game, Nevada was definitely within striking distance still. So it kind of points back to a couple of weeks ago when, when Timmy was talking about um, this is what we expect here, um, taking care of the football. Um, all fronts need to be locked in and do their responsibility. Like it, it shows that we're resilient enough and can hang with other teams in our conference that just because something like that happens that we're not going away. So um, yeah, a lot of really good things to take from this game, Jordan, as uh, we continue into conference play. Yeah. Just two turnovers in their last three games for the university of Hawaii offense uh, defensively. And we got to spend a lot of time talking about these yeah. guys as well. I mean, the, the difference between the New Mexico state game and then the, the last, the, the last two games, San Diego state and, and then now Nevada, I mean, night and day in terms of the run defense, right? Pene Povihi, eight tackles, six of them solo. Uh, Hugh Nelson had eight tackles as well. Five solo broke up a pass. Um, Peter Bonuma, who, who played his heart out uh, after, you know, losing his mother, earlier in the week and in our best to, to Peter and, and, and his family um, seven tackles, six solo tackle for loss uh, was filling in basically got the start at safety um, because of some injuries on that end as well. Guys like Matangi Thompson, um, Logan Taylor, five tackles who also filled in because of injury, right? But uh, excuse me, Isaiah Tufanga as, as Hunter pointed out, uh, went down in the first half and here comes Logan Taylor. Um, and the dude was an animal. He was all over the place. Uh, this guy loves football and he loves contact, uh, and, and was right in there, man. He and Pene Pavihi looked, looked really good together, just kind of like Pavihi and, and Tufanga go. Right. And you got to give a lot of credit to Chris Brown getting that group ready. Um, and then that defensive line, John Tui Tupo, I think has been outstanding, uh, four tackles. He had a sack. He had that forced fumble late. Uh, tackle for loss. Jonah Kahavai Welch, two tackles for loss. Andrew Choi had another tackle for loss. The team had seven total. And you remember, it took like two games basically for them to get a tackle for loss to start the season. Yeah. They're starting to get more penetration. They're starting to win the battle up front. They're they're able to kind of keep things bottled up. And and some of the changes, I think, have made a huge difference. Mekki Pei also had a tackle for loss, three total tackles. But again, it's a defense that for a second straight game holds an opponent under 100 yards rushing. Uh, second straight game, 16 points allowed. Second straight game, giving up just one touchdown. We saw a goal line stand that forced a punt. We saw a goal line stand that forced a fourth down go for it for Nevada, and they ended up getting it, but just barely. 
Um, but, uh, you know, Logan Taylor, right? We, we talked about Peter Manuma, Andrew Choi, I think is starting to see more and more action over the last three, four games. And I think he's played very well. Um, it looks like they've kind of simplified things defensively, but they're letting these guys go play. You know, they're, they're playing faster. They're playing under control. Um, they're, assignment sound especially on that front end and then the defense on the back end I, again I think was a lot better against the past than against San Diego State I think San Diego State had a few more playmakers than than this Nevada team on the perimeter but it's just I mean, you think to that New Mexico State game when it looked like oh boy they couldn't stop the run to to save their life and then these last two weeks drastically different drastically different and and consistent you know I mean they they, they were able to sustain it for basically four quarters um, and really didn't give up a whole lot of explosive plays on the ground. Uh, didn't give up very many explosive plays in the passing game. Um, and, and, and just kind of kept Nevada, it looked like, on their heels most of the game. And, and again, the, to think back three weeks ago against New Mexico State, it's a, it's, it's a big, big improvement. And you got to give a credit to Coach, Coach Yoro uh, for, for showing a willingness to adapt some adjustments. And then his guys going out there and executing and, and, and playing well. Oh yeah, totally. Um, with an exception to causing any turnovers, uh, I felt like it was a near perfect game for this defense. Uh, you know, you, you get the occasional soft um, zone and they capitalize that, you know, just like any good offense should, you know, we, we talked about on the sideline, you know, they hit their checkdowns and they're, they're just running. Um, but that's just going to happen where you gamble thinking the offense is going to call one thing and then they go in another direction. Um, and you, you try your best to um, keep, keep those from being explosive plays. You know, we, we can take the eight, nine, 10 yards. We can't take the 25 to 30 yarders. And I felt for the most part, we kept the explosive plays from happening, which the, those are the game breakers. So yeah, the, the, the core that is starting to emerge right now on this defense is um, is very encouraging, Jordan, where we've we've been wondering, you know, who are these leaders going to be? Who are uh, the guys that we're going to look to to make a big play? Obviously, we're seeing that happen with uh, with guys like uh, Pene Pavii holding it down in the middle of the field. But, you know, I talked to him before the game, um, uh, Mackie Pay uh, back at safety. I think he's one of those guys now that we can kind of lean on um, Hugh Nelson over on the, uh, the, the cornerback position. He's been great for us. Um, and it's, it's encouraging to kind of see some of these new faces um, establish themselves now as a vital part of this defense. Yeah, it's, it's been a really collective effort, right? It, it hasn't been one guy necessarily going out there and looking, you know, like, some first round draft pick or defensive player of the year type. That's just wrecking shop because as you pointed out, look, it, taking the football away a little more frequently would be real nice. <laughs> right. And I think make it a little easier on them, uh, but they've kind of done it the hard way in a sense, right? It's just been snap after snap series after series, just being very, very sound um, and not having to rely on the takeaways. And again, more takeaways better. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they've, they've just been, just been really solid. They've been really solid. And, and, you know, outside of that, that last drive by San Diego state on a short field that, that led, led to the game winning field goal. Like they, they, they've, you know, again, they, they forced a field goal, but they've just been very consistent. Um, and, and that, that is, I think the most pleasant thing to see. And you could say the same thing about the offense, the way we talked about some of the drives, right. And how much more efficient they've been at getting drives to result in points. Um, there is there is far more consistency with both sides of the football um, than we saw earlier in the year. Uh, and I think that is the evidence that shows that the team is getting better, um, that the team has adapted, that the team has adjusted. Uh, the coaching staff has shown a willingness to do that. Uh, the players have, you know, bought in. They, they, they're still trusting of the process, right? They're still trusting of of the staff and, and how they can put them in the right positions. And then once they, they find a little something, these guys are capable, right? It, it's not a situation of, Hey, look, yeah, it's just Hawaii being completely undermanned. 
Uh, they've never made that excuse, even with all of the, the, the roster turnover. Um, but now that they've kind of, you know, developed a, a scheme on both sides of the ball that they feel like it hey, puts their guys in the best position, um, those guys have gone out and executed. And, and you got to give everybody involved credit. And I think that is, to me, the, the telltale sign that, yeah, okay, this isn't just a flash in the pan. Like the consistent the consistency of, of both sides of the football to me is, is really the sign that things are, are indeed heading in a positive direction. Yeah. And it speaks of a good culture. If the team is consistent, that means that there's good communication from the coaching staff. That means there's good communication within the team. Um, generally it means that they like each other, not all, all the time, but that's usually uh um, something that follows that as well. And I made the note to you, uh, Timmy, when he's on the sideline is very unassuming as a head coach. He doesn't even wear the, uh, the Koa wood, uh, lay around his neck. It's uh, very, unless you knew that was our head coach, he kind of just blends in. And I think this coaching staff is like that where, um, they're kind of character first, um, you know, we're going to be a family, this brotherhood uh, mantra, and we're going to go out and do our best to do our job. And it's very um, non-flashy, if you will. So I think this defense is representative of kind of that narrative of non, um, non-flashy, non go out and kind of just do your job. And yeah, they're, they're kind of asked to get out, out on the field pretty frequently with our offense, not hanging on to the football for very long, usually in this season, they did better this game, I might add, but uh, yeah, there's kind of a non-assuming, Hey, we're, we're the plumbers. We're, we're, we're going to take care of business out here. Yeah, it's a lunch pail group for sure. Uh, and they've been, they've been doing the job. They've been doing the job the last couple of weeks and uh, tip of the cap to them. Uh, so that, that, uh, you know, it, a lot of good things to talk about. Uh We'll, uh, we'll take a break here. We'll get into the second half. We'll kind of look at the Mountain West picture a few weeks into the season. Obviously, Hawaii having played just the two games at one and one. And then uh, Colorado State, another trip on the road uh, for the Bulls coming up. So we'll, we'll get into that in the second half as well. All right, a little quick halftime break. Second half on the other side. This is Hawaii Football Now from ESPN Honolulu. All right, second half time here, episode 60, Hawaii Football Now. Jordan Hunter back with you. Quick look at uh, kind of where things stand in the Mountain West now. Uh, we bring this up because Hawaii at 1-1 one one is tied for basically third in the conference, like half a game behind second, uh, half a game behind first. Um, and they are basically like a kickoff out of bounds and like a long touchdown or field goal drive away from being in first place in the Mountain West West Division because everybody's got a loss. San Jose State lost to Fresno over the weekend. Uh, that put them at 2-1 and one in the conference. UNLV is 2-2 two and two after getting shellacked by Air Force over the weekend. San Diego State's 1-1. One and one. Fresno's 1-1. One and one. Hawaii's 1-1. One and, one. and then you got Nevada at 0-3. And, um, and if you look at the West, nobody's that good. <laughs> uh, it's a down year. San Jose and Hawaii are the only two of the six in the division with a positive point differential in Mountain West games. That, that the, the only two teams that have scored more points than they've given up in conference play. That goes to kind of show you where things are at. Hawaii obviously hasn't had any crossover games. They will have one this weekend at Colorado State. The Mountain Boise State, surprise, surprise, down here for the Broncos. They're still at the top of the mountain standings. They're 3-0. Wyoming's 2-1, and one, who's on the schedule coming to Hawaii. Utah State's 2-1, and one, who's on the schedule coming to Hawaii. Air Force is 2-2, two and two, Colorado State 1-1, one and one, where obviously Hawaii goes this weekend to Fort Collins. And then New Mexico is 0-3. Uh, they're not very good. They also got kind of handled by New Mexico State over the weekend. Um, it is a wide-open conference, Hunter. It is arguably, I would make the argument, the weakest the conference has probably ever been from top to bottom. Um, nobody is in the discussion for being ranked um, in a year where other conferences are also kind of in flux where the Sun Belt is on the rise, but they kind of cannibalize each other uh, where the American is kind of up in the mix in like two lanes, their best shot uh, of, of going in with one loss. Um, 
the that New Year's six bowl bid for like the top ranked group of five teams seems to be wide open, but the Mountain West is nowhere near that conversation because every single team in the conference has yeah. at least two losses now that San Jose State has lost for a second time. They lost to Auburn uh, in Alabama earlier in the season. So look, Hawaii, I'm not saying like they're going to run the table here and like win the conference division and go to the conference championship game or anything like that. Uh, we bring this up just to kind of show that um, a lot of these games are winnable for the University yeah. of Hawaii, and they've shown the ability to kind of hang in there. We've seen a lot of really close games in conference. Uh, and again, because I think it's it's just kind of mediocre this season. It is. I wish I, I'm looking around my desk for a spoon to give people a spoonful of perspective, Jordan. <laughs> we need a big old fat spoonful of perspective medicine right now. It was not that long ago that the general public was in an outcry saying we should go to division two. We should think about getting rid of this football program, blah, 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 blah. Look at this. Look at where the conference is at right now. Um, teams with much bigger markets than us. And we are not only competing, we're ahead of a lot of these guys. And with, you know, to, to cite our conversation with Caleb Phillips just a couple weeks back, there's still a lot of time to accomplish some things in this season. Um, I told you on the sideline, uh, you know, I'll wear the optimism hat till the cows come home. Um, you look at the remainder of our season, there is still a glimmer of hope that we could even stumble our way into a Hawaii Bowl with a handful of wins before the end of the season. We just got to get to six. Um, you never know what could happen with getting an at-large bid to the Hawaii Bowl. Um, that's what happened to us in 2016. This team is very, very similar to that 2016 team. Um, and we've been talking about it from the beginning of this year. This season will be broken up to before conference play and then conference play to see where we really stand. Because, man, when you look at these teams and uh, the, the division, we are, um, I would not say we're bottom of the barrel. We're, we're right there in the mix. Yeah, and you look at uh, kind of where other teams are at in their seasons, and, and you look at the schedule for the University of Hawaii, and you say, hey, look, there, there's an opportunity to be in a lot of these games, to, to have a real shot at a lot of these games. And I'm not saying that they're going to win all of these games, but they've, they've got a shot, and that includes Colorado State coming up this weekend. Uh, it's a 10 a.m. Hawaii kickoff time, so, you know, get a little breakfast uh, after you watch those 6 a.m. kickoffs. Uh, you know, the big noon game or whatever it is, settle right in for, for Hawaii and Colorado State up in Fort Collins. That's a 2 p.m. mountain time kick locally up there <laughs> in Colorado. Of course, you can catch everything on ESPN Honolulu on the radio coverage TV. It's it is Spectrum pay-per-view. Uh, the Rams lost 17 to 13 last week at home to Utah State. Uh, they're now one and one in Mountain West Conference play one in five overall. Now, of course, they're under first year head coach. Jay Norvell, uh, who spent the last five seasons at Nevada, um, now has a 34 and 31 overall record, even though he went 15 and six over those last two years at UNR. And the big reason why Colorado State basically went and poached him uh, and gave him an offer he couldn't refuse to move and jump ship within conference. They, they took him to four straight bowl games um, at Reno. Hawaii opened as six point underdogs uh, Um Late Sunday, early Monday it was. And as we record this Tuesday morning, um, they're now four-point dog, four dogs. So that line has moved two points. I think people out there um, after the San Diego State game and now the uh, Nevada game where they were both underdogs and covered the San Diego State game and obviously uh, won outright as a about a touchdown underdog against Nevada. I think people wisening up a little bit here, kind of seeing where Colorado State is as well. Colorado State kind of reeling. They're, they're in a very similar boat to the University of Hawaii. We'll get into the similarities here in just a bit. They also went and got, you know, demolished at Michigan to start the season, yeah. lost that one 51-7. Uh, they lost to Middle Tennessee, uh, another Conference USA opponent. Remember, Western Kentucky uh, lost that one at home by 15 points. Uh, lost at Washington State. The, the most eye-opening result, probably a 31-point home loss to Sacramento State of the Big Sky. Uh, and then they beat Nevada on the last second field goal, right? 
came in, uh, missed the field goal, was roughing the kicker, moved it up a little bit, able to boot that through with no time on the clock, and then lost last week to, to Utah State, 17-13. to 13. There are a lot of similarities in terms of the results out there and the common opponents uh, going forward. Um, they're also experiencing a ton of turnover. Uh, 54 new players. Sound familiar? Um, the strength of the team, quite honestly, is their veteran offensive line, like another team I know. Um, they are in a position of extreme transition, kind of like Hawaii. And so with all that being said, do they have run and shoot concepts? Uh, yeah, probably right. They, they got, uh, Jay Norvell out there. They like to run the football, but they also throw it. Um, he, he's a guy who likes to throw it and, uh, he had Timmy Chang on his staff. So, you know, they got a little, they got a little wrinkle in there. They probably, they're probably mixing that in. Um, also like Hawaii. Uh, they've started multiple guys at quarterback. Three different guys have started their last three games for various reasons, injury and such other things. Clay Millen is their guy when healthy, when available. Um, and I believe should see the field here. Uh, he's on the, he's at the top of the depth chart uh, for this week's game. Uh, redshirt freshman transfer from Nevada. <laughs> uh, a lot of guys transferred over from Nevada uh, to follow Jay Norvell to Colorado State. So all that being said, just to give you some context, it's another game that Hawaii is very capable of winning. Trips to the mountain time zone have never been friendly for Hawaii. We know that. Um, trips to the continent in general have never been friendly. Um, but this is another game that Hawaii should be right in there with. You forgot to mention that they also wear green and white, Jordan. That's true. That's true. I will note. I will note. Uh, it's like state pride day or something like this or state celebration. I think they're So they're going to be wearing like Colorado flag jerseys, which are like blue in red or something like that um so they won't be wearing the green just uh it's like a special you know it's one of those uh special edition jerseys um so so if you're if you're tuning in and you're like who the heck are these guys um it's it's colorado state they're, at least they're, they're wearing some some special edition jerseys at least they're not going to be like arizona when we played them wearing the uss arizona jerseys that made like no sense to us ah. they claimed some connection to Pearl Harbor uh wasn't a big fan of that when we played them but uh that's okay I guess um yeah Jordan we could beat these guys you look at the the point spread right there it's eerily similar to the production of our offense they haven't scored north of 20 points their entire season so we, I mean that looks really good for us that looks very good they, for they, us they average 12.2 points a game on offense they I allow 332.5 points per game in perspective they rank 129th in total offense yeah that's not good um, not great not great and again they've had some some issues at quarterback uh for different reasons um again three different guys have started in the last three games clay millen the nevada transfer seems to be the dude they are i don't know if predictable is the right word but like they've got a guy in Avery Morrow who's their back, and he's by far and away their feature back. Like he he outpaces the rest of the the, the backfield in terms of carries and yardage by quite a bit. And then they got Torrey Horton, um, who is by far and away their leading receiver. He's got 19 more catches and 370 more yards than their number two receiver. So, yeah. you know, those are their guys. Um, and you would imagine um, that Jake Yorrow knows that. <laughs> this defensive staff knows that, right? And so they're gonna they're gonna plan accordingly. But it, it is a an offense that, 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 you know, the numbers will show you that they heavily favor some of these dudes. And, and maybe that's the reason that, you know, they're averaging the point total that they are and not to say that they, this isn't the week that they explode, but yeah. on paper, the matchup is, is not bad for Hawaii yeah. here. No, it, we are favoring from uh, a down year in the mountain West. It, it feels to, to me in my mind, it feels like when you're playing match play in golf, and you make bogey, but the guy you're playing against made triple, you know? So your bad. That's a win. That's exactly right. Your bad is sometimes good in comparison. So, um, man, it's it almost feels like we have new life here, Jordan, or we have a chance to see what else we could do to, uh, for the rest of this year. It's definitely not over for us. Yeah, I, I, would, I would completely agree. This is a big one. This is a big one for – for Hawaii, you know, maybe a little different conversation if you win the San Diego State game, but uh, it's you, you didn't. You're one and one, but this this could be another one that hey, big win, big win, move to over 500 in conference play, keep pace with the top of the division, 
uh, win a crossover game against arguably the better of the two divisions in the Mountain Division. Uh, so that, that, this, this is a big one. This is a 27th all-time matchup between the two teams. Colorado State holds the edge 15-11 to 11 in the 26 previous meetings. Uh, Colorado State has won nine of the 12 matchups in Fort Collins, but of course Hawaii won the last meeting, that 2018 season opener, uh, week zero national television. That was kind of the coming out party, right? Yeah. If, if you remember for um, Cole McDonald and that revamped run and shoot offense, uh, that was a lot of fun uh, in that week zero yes, game. Yeah, that they did. That was uh, Hawaii's first win in Fort Collins since 1988. Granted, they didn't play each other for a while uh, when they were in two different conferences, but uh, Hawaii trying to, you know, strike lightning again. Uh, last year, if you remember, another shootout, 50 to 45. Um, over Colorado State at, at Ching. That was a weird one where Hawaii kind of let it big and then let them back into it. And then it was a, it was a whole deal, but uh, they've, you know, so they've won the the last couple here against Colorado State. They got a chance to, to do it once again. And um, quite honestly, I, I, I'm expect I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I, I, I think from what we've seen the last couple of weeks, the improvement of what we've seen from Colorado State over the season at one and five, you know, I think, I think folks would be disappointed if, if they don't find a way to pull this one out. For uh, our faithful listeners, a little bit of my optimism is uh, going over to Maui and being <laughs> shared by Jordan right now, which uh, is very encouraging to see. Uh, yeah, Jordan's, yeah. Jordan's the eternal um, uh, facts-based. Uh, yeah, but, you know, we try to take a pragmatic approach out here. So yeah, we'll, um, no, which, it, which we need hunters up in the clouds half the time. So uh, <laughs> that, that's good. Um, but when you look at the rest of this schedule, We've got six games left. We got, we're at Colorado State, home against Wyoming, at Fresno, home against Utah State, home against UNLV, and then San Jose to end the year. We got six games left. We got to win four of them to have a chance. Who knows? This, this Colorado State game definitely can be won. Wyoming is not strong. You never know what can happen with Fresno. We don't like them. They don't like us. Weird things happen in those games. <laughs> Utah State, who knows? You know, V, they're a little stronger this year. That's going to be a tougher one. And I'm just going to say Shevin's going to kick our butt at the end of the year. I'm just putting it out there. But um, we're, we're going to need to win four of those those next five. So we'll see. You, how start, you, got, you, can't, you can't do that unless you win the first one, right? So That's exactly right. We'll see, we, we we'll see how it here. goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I like the optimism. I like the positive energy around the program. Uh, speaking of optimism, as we wrap things up here, not a whole lot of it in the comments this week. Uh, as we had Ryan <laughs> McInnes on the pod last week to talk about the stadium developments or lack thereof. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, our guy Mike saying the leadership in a way needs to do better for their people and the Aloha spirit. I uh, included that in there. Scott said uh, the new Aloha Stadium will be built 80 years from now at this rate. <laughs> uh, that, that, if by some miracle it does get built in three years know. with 35,000 seats with luxury boxes, be good. Uh, yeah, I, I get th at this point, Scott will we'll, we'll kind of take whatever happens, right? And uh, yeah, so not a whole lot of not a whole lot of optimism from from the comments and, and the folks uh, giving us some feedback on last year's last weeks conversation um i would i would tend to agree yeah some comedy writes itself jordan and nothing <laughs> screams comedy like uh, a big building project in hawaii oh, boy. especially oh. connected to football yeah <laughs> yeah we'll uh, we'll keep the listeners updated if anything else uh does indeed happen in the future we'll we'll just we'll just move on from that uh, you were talking about golf earlier hunter a quick little overtime here as we switch gears from football uh, not completely uh, you've had a couple of former UH standouts uh, on the old Shakas and Swings podcast, if I'm uh, if I'm correct here. I have. They uh, they haven't canceled us yet, Jordan. Uh, Not if you keep uh, getting guys like this on. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, we had uh, Greg Salas. Uh, he's a member at Oahu Country Club. I work there uh, when I'm not on uh, Hawaii football now, and uh, we got a round in a couple weeks ago. Greg's a great guy. Um, just starting to pick the game up. Great conversation out there. Jaron actually came and uh, uh, filmed us and kind of lived that round with us, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, played Waikele with Kaika Woosley just uh, this past week. And Kikes is a great buddy of mine. We've played a lot of golf together. Um, one time when we were 
players, we risked missing meetings to play in a, uh, a student ran tournament. Uh, we won the tournament and got caught in traffic on the way home and missed meetings. Uh, Stutz had a lot of grace on Ikaika and I about got cut. A <laughs> uh, little bit different reaction to the uh, the walk-on than the uh, the starting quarterback, I might add. But uh, yeah, it's always fun getting on the links with those guys. Um, a lot of football players are picking up the game of golf. And so um, it's a good time for um, a show like Shockers and Swings to exist. It's a lot of fun, man. And um, just uh, just getting those guys out there. Um, it's cool to catch up. It, it's cool to, to kind of see them in a different light as well, right? Um, Absolutely. So go ahead and check that out. You can get it from uh, basically any platform you get this podcast. So if you found this podcast, you can, you can find Shakas and Swings. Man, I appreciate you bringing it up, Jordan. My overtime segment is whoever calibrated the t-shirt gun at the football game <laughs> needs to be trained. Okay, so for those who weren't at the stadium, uh, um, the first attempt from the cheerleaders to shoot the the uh, the t-shirt the gun into the, uh, I guess that would be the uh, the north the north side of the field. So the the season ticket holders they didn't calibrate it enough, and so the uh, the t-shirts went up in the air, got hit by the wind, and all the t-shirts ended up on the track. Didn't even make it up into the stands. Okay. They turn around, they go to the other side of the field, and they turn that thing on full blast to the south side of the field and shot the t-shirts over the stands, over the skyboxes. And it's, like in, it's like in the pool someplace. In the pool. I mean, they looked like they were going to the moon. It was awesome. <laughs> it just reminded me of like, you remember the like Bud Light Real Men of Genius yeah, commercial totally. ads? And there was like the t-shirt cannon operator guy was one of them yeah. and i just that that they made me think of that oh, um man. don't worry a couple Good of weeks time a couple of weeks low. time they'll have that thing figured out and we're gonna be we're gonna be blasting t-shirts uh in the uh, in the appropriate seats oh love to see it oh that was great. great that was great that was about the only thing that went wrong uh during the game and yeah. if, even if that I, I don't even know if it was wrong it was great entertainment they handled um, the streaker they they, they they took care of business quickly on on that front which was awesome. i don't even think the guy hit the field it was great um, security was on it shout out to nevada doing their thing over there yeah yeah that's true that's true they didn't have to go full bobby wagner on them um <laughs> there was a lot of fun this, this is why you got to come down to the games there, there's all the all the sights and sounds and the the quirks and the the fun things that go along with it all one right that'll do it for us sorry one sight and sound we missed no, no, jaren. We, we we need we need jaren at the uh games we we, we need him down there that's right. That's right. That's right. He's got like 90,000 things going on. So we get it um, and all kinds of responsibilities. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll need Jared down there on the sideline next game. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll be here. Um, we'll be here for uh, for all of it um, as as uh, we will be back with you next week on episode 61. Again, a big mahalo to Spectrum Mobile, big mahalo to Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and Battery Bill as well um for sponsoring the pod we appreciate it keeping us on the air uh and helping us pay the bills uh this has been hawaii football now we'll see you next week everybody aloha you've been listening to hawaii football now with jordan helley and hunter hughes all from espn honolulu